talk about winning. We all want to win. We all have goals to hit. We got sales goals. We got profitability goals, production goals, and so on. But what I'm talking about is how do you create sustainable winning over a long period of time and at the same time build your team, get them to collaborate in a way they never have before, and build your brand as a leader? We're going to get into all that in three steps that you can take to make all of that happen. Coming right up. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome back, everybody, from across America and around the world to another podcast in the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. So, of course, we all want to win. We all have goals. We all have things we need to accomplish in order to show that we are effective, that we deserve more money, more work, more responsibility, all those things. But you can't just win once. It's not a, a one and done, hit one goal kind of thing. And most of us probably work in an environment where you hit one goal and well, what about that one over there? And what about that one over there? And if you get in a mindset though of a pass fail win lose that's not the most effective way you can do it and you really have to think about like when you think about Simon Sinek's book Infinite Game this kind of plays into that as far as are you ever really done or if we missed one little thing does that mean the whole team failed collectively or not and are we really working on all the things that we need to work on in order to be effective as a winning team have we even talked about anything about what's important? How does a team collaborate? What are the things that are so important that everything else stops? All that kind of stuff. Um, or do we just have leadership that just sets out numbers and says, you know, you better hit this number or else or that kind of thing. You can't just dangle carrots out there. You can't just say, hey, do this or do that. It has to be something specific. And building your brand as a leader into a winning leader, how do you do that? How do you become known as how do I get things done as a leader? Because we all know as leaders, we can't do it ourselves. We got to rely on all the people around us to make things happen. And certainly threatening, of course, the, the autocratic leadership, the short-term gain, long-term pain, because inevitably what happens is it's not, you, know, you think you don't hit this goal or hit that goal, and then the discipline doesn't happen. The threatening almost doesn't happen and everybody just kind of is unimpressed by that. They're, they're, they fall into this mode of, uh, well, you know, nothing's really going to happen and it's just a bunch of noise and it doesn't really put your team in the right space for sure. Dangling carrots can only work so much because people in their head are always going to evaluate what do I have to give versus what do I get? And you can have some trophy type stuff and all those kinds of things, but inevitably that never is more effective than just a group of people working together and accomplishing things they didn't think they could. While that's going on, they're getting consistent, positive, 
positive feedback, they're focused on certain behaviors, and they're moving the ball in a certain direction, and they really feel like they're accomplishing things, and they feel like they're a part of it. Those are the things that really make it happen. And when you think about, you know, we've talked in past podcasts about engagement issues where up to 70% of employees feel like engagement isn't happening in their company, that there's not an active, oh, I hate to use the word program because that just makes it robotic, but there's not an active vibe, if you will, or part of the culture of that. They're not really engaging the associates. They're saying things like, you know, good morning and you know, we want you to do well, but not in the engagement of what they're actually doing and does it matter. And at the same time, you have almost the same percentage of companies that will acknowledge that that kind of um, interaction with with employees is important for retention, for growth, they, 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 but they don't do it. And it, there's this huge disconnect. But you have a great opportunity to just do it on your own. You don't need somebody higher than you to tell you to do it. You know, on the surface, what we're really talking about here is productivity and execution, right? Like, how do we get things done? You can't just create a bunch of fluffy goals or, or have participation trophies where we're just constantly, you know, you're going the other direction. You're, you're almost thanking them too much. You're almost making it not sound as, as important as it should be. And that can hurt you just as well. But right beneath the surface, if, if you do this right, if you bring your team together the right way, it's really an amazing opportunity to take your team on a journey, to really go on a journey and direction of accomplishing things, but more importantly, how you accomplish those things with each other. When you talk about team building, you're building commitments, you're building collaborations, things like that. Talking about setting daily behaviors and decisions. This, That right there is probably one of the biggest headaches every leader has is what are the daily behaviors and decisions being done, but at the same time, is that what we're rewarding? Is that what we're talking about constantly doing in order to get that result? Or do we just skip to the end? It's almost like reading the first chapter of a book and reading the last chapter of a book and expecting one for the book to be enjoyable to understand it all. And you know, you're reading the last chapter is like, how did we get here? And often so we just continue to, to miss all the good stuff in the middle of how did they get there and how does your team get there? So if you don't spell that out for them, because while at the same time you're frustrated about it, you're not spelling out what needs to be done as far as what are they doing every single day in their behaviors and their decisions. But here's what's always missing is we never say, here's why it matters. Here's why the team gets to perform well and accomplish some goals if we do these things. And the because I said so is not, is not good, is not productive, is not helpful. Just because you think you're in charge, you can just say that. But if you really want to build that team commitment through follow through, accountability, communication, collaboration, ask yourself this, what is the culture of your teamwork? Like, how do they communicate? I know this is kind of cheesy, but you think about love languages and how people, you, know, you probably may, hopefully you have some people that work on your team that can just start saying something and the other person gets it almost like a love language. I mean, how do they do that? And you turn it into a work language or do they really know like it's time to pull the car over and, and talk? And that could be a problem the team needs to solve immediately. That could be how they're collaborating or not collaborating. Maybe they're not collaborating in a productive way or the right way, or one person is really 
not doing the things they should be doing. Uh, and you can go back to podcast 32 of hard talks are easy. I, mean, I know that sounds crazy, but when you really learn how to have those, when you really, as the leader, protect those culture boundaries, you can do those sorts of things. I mean, we, we try to make it to a point of we're talking about profit divided by output equals the number of employee work hours. So you add them all up and then, okay, here's what we get out of it. And we're thinking that in the abstract. I have X number of employees are working a certain number of hours and here's their output depending on how they're working a lot of people working from home right now and things like that and and how is that profitable how are we accomplishing things so often we get so wrapped up in that easy equation of that and we don't really break it down to what it takes to build a winning team we simply just stay yeah, because it's easy. It's easy as a leader to just say, well, here's how many employees they have. Here's how many hours they work. This is the kind of output they do. And here's what we, here's the result. We think about profits and, and we just stay there. And then we make excuses of, well, I don't have enough players. I don't have the right players, all of that stuff. And we never just take the time as the leader to make the winning about them. The majority of them they're going to be doing the work. You never see a football coach run out into the field and run a play for them, throwing the ball, tackling any of those things. They can't. And a lot of times as leaders, if you're, especially if you're leading multiple different departments or different functions and things like that, you really have to be aware of what kind of time you're spending in each one. So you, you can't do it for them. They've got to do it. But if you don't show them the best ways to win on a consistent basis and why they matter and why they're doing things, you're never going to get the best out of your team. And you, it's going to be this perpetual cycle of frustration because you haven't taken the time to really do those things to get them where they need to be. So let's get into three things that you need to do as a leader and that once you start doing some of these things, you're going to see results like you haven't seen before when it comes to things. Number one, team collaboration. Number two, building your brand as a leader because like how we say, leadership's not about you, but later it'll be about you, meaning you're investing in all the people that get things done for you. And then this constant, you will start consistently hitting goals, consistently winning. And then there's a whole nother conversation about who's ready for more responsibility and more things to do. So number one, does your team know what winning looks like? I know that sounds like a crazy question when you think about profitability or if you're in a manufacturing plant, output of units, whatever your measurement is, but do they know what winning looks like? Because it's a little deeper than hitting a certain number. So the first question is, why do you assume they already know? Why do you assume they know certainly your perception of what winning looks like? What does it truly look like? Because again, the goal is the end result. It's that last chapter in the book. You can't begin there. How do you get there? You have to ask that question. Why do you assume they know what that is? And one thing you got to clear up right away is, is your team sabotaging each other? Because a lot of times we set these goals and everybody wants to, ah, I'm the one who helped win in, in, in a weird sense, they almost hope the people they actually work with don't do well, that they lose so they can look better. Think about an entire sales team and some, a lot of places, you know, they have their, all of their salespeople, all their numbers on the board and they're where they're at. A lot of times when people are competing like that, they almost hope somebody else loses a deal so they can look better. So are they sabotaging each other or are they supporting each other? Do they really understand that it's important? Like for example, 
on a sales team, if for whatever reason you picked up the phone and it was the client of another salesperson and you could help close that deal knowing you don't get official credit for it, if that's what you want to call it, or even a commission, would you still help? Would you still contribute to make that happen? So did you make winning goals into chewable chunk behaviors? Because everything you're working toward is really behavior related of are we doing the right behaviors, right decisions and all those things. But when you just make a huge one off lofty goal, again, the last chapter of the book, it might look so large that they're just, are we, how are we going to do all that? And do you break it down into steps on how to get there and put it into chewable chunks of behaviors of a couple of things they could be doing in order to get there? Now, here's where you got to be tough as a leader mentally. Do you, do you celebrate progress first and focus on behaviors that you want? This is what's really tough about that because it is so easy to constantly talk about what you don't want or you get what I call shotgun accountability where one person on the team does something and you email everybody telling them not to do it and 98% of them aren't doing it. But you really got to hone in on what are the behaviors I want to happen and talk about those all the time. Reward them when you see them. Doesn't have to be a big reward again. I, like, I'm not talking about making participation trophies. I'm talking about a simple... You know, you walk up behind somebody and you say, hey, I heard how you handled that on the phone. That was perfect. Thank you. Just something like that. It could be that easy. But you, are you celebrating progress first and focusing on just behaviors you want? And as a leader, how often do we spend time on things we don't want? We have to correct somebody. We have to coach somebody. And it just takes forever. Um, because it just It's just such a productivity killer. But when we talk about what we are looking for, a weird thing happens when you are constantly doing that. Your team focuses focuses to that. Again, they have a finite amount of time to do whatever it is they're going to do. So every time you stray away from the behaviors you want, you are taking time away from them from doing that. They do not work 24-7. So if you're going to choose to really just stop doing this and you got to fix this problem over here, if you're spending most of your time doing that, there's no way you can be talking about what you do want. And that's where they'll gravitate toward if that's what you're constantly talking about. So do you have a pre-plan for setbacks. I mean, you may not know what setback is actually coming, but but there's a couple of things here that go with that. Number one, how you respond when something goes wrong. Your behavior and that response is going to control a lot of the behavior of how your team comes together or not. If you just lose your temper, scream at people, throw stuff. I know it sounds crazy, but it happens. I hear it all the time. I don't understand it, but do you have a plan that something is probably going to go wrong? I mean, we all know it. It's going to, no matter how you lay things out, something's going to happen. But how do you respond to that? Do you, you expect that to happen? and have a plan for correction. And the last thing about, does do you know what winning looks like is, how do you move on from winning? I know, it sounds like a crazy question. How do you move on from it? Because let's say you hit amazing goals, even a quarter or a year, just amazing goals, you hit them, and you know they didn't think you could do it, and it just was a great win and all that, but you can't just stay there. You can't You can't just, oh, that's, yeah, hey, three years ago, we did that. We're amazing. That's not how it works. You got to move on from that. And what I've always said, and I know it sounds kind of morbid, but to move forward, regardless of a win or a loss, you got to have three things. And sorry, but I'm a forensic files junkie, so this is kind of how I relate to it. But you got to have an autopsy. And this is for winning or losing, but we're really talking about winning here. You got to have an autopsy. You got to figure out what really happened, not what you think happened, not what you felt like it happened, but really what happened. Have an autopsy. 
figure it out. What went right? Let's keep doing some of that. What went wrong? Let's get away from those behaviors and learn from it. And the next thing you need is a eulogy. And you think about eulogies, right? And I always say, hey, individually, you're living your eulogy every day. But in this case, I'm talking about how did this situation make you feel? How did it make the team feel to, to have that win or that loss? Talk about that, what you guys went through together to make that happen. Get it out, verbalize it. And lastly, have the funeral. Because if you when you have that, you, you certainly don't want, like I said, hang your hat on something that happened three years ago, or you memorialize something. It happened. There's a there's a marker. There's a reminder that it happened, but you don't dwell on it. You don't live by it. You move on. So the first thing you got to do is figure out what does winning look like for your team? The second thing you got to do is does your team know they are winning. Again, I know this sounds like a, a crazy question, but do they really know? Here And here's here's what you need to be doing. This is the question you got to be able to answer is, do they really know they're winning without much research? Like they don't have to ask constantly or wonder because you really want, we talked about engagement earlier. If they don't know what they do is creating a win, how on earth do you expect them to, to be positive, to want to do more, to, to want to help the rest of the team or ask more questions? And I know it sounds like a crazy thing, but once you've defined what winning looks like, you got to tell them what, you know, the progress, where they're at. Why are we hiding data? Why do we think it's such top secret? Are you afraid that, oh, well, if it, if it's not going well at the moment, maybe that'll shut them off. People want honesty. They want clarity. They want a direction. So your team has to know without really digging into a lot of stuff or, or waiting to the end of the quarter to know, are they winning or not? They have to know it. So as a leader, what, what data can you find? What can you give them? If you've already established in step one of showing them what winning looks like and what that really is, is laying out the daily behaviors and decisions that support winning at whatever goal you're trying to accomplish. So how do you, you got to, now that you've set that, how do you show them they're actually doing it? What can you give them? Again, is the celebration about the process or just about the final number? And if we don't hit it or we make a goal that doesn't make sense to them or they don't know how, they're not even going to try. And you don't want to create participation trophies. What you do want to create is benchmarks. What you do want to show them is you're heading in the right direction, that they're going toward that goal based on what they're doing every single day because you've laid it out for them. You have to create a steady diet of positive feedback. You have to. As Tony Robbins always says, where focus goes, energy flows. Again, what I said earlier, you have a finite amount of time every single day with your team. So whatever you're going to talk about as a leader, they're going to go there. And is it going to be something that's going to ignite them or is it going to be something that's going to turn them off? That's up to you to guide them, to tell them what they need to be doing. People gravitate to whatever you constantly talk about. And if it's always negative now, not only are they going to gravitate toward the negativity, but they're going to find ways to, 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 to build excuses around that and to avoid you and not give you information. And you're building your brand as somebody who's not interested in winning. You're interested in results. There's That's a different thing. That's a very different thing. You know, games aren't really won on the playing field. They're won on the practice field. They're, run, they're, they're won in the locker room. They're won in the weight room. Uh, and you can equate that to anything. So the end goal is really won in what we've been doing each and every day with our teams in our offices. And redirects, inevitably, there will be some setbacks, of course, or people just fall short. Focus on the behavior and not the person. And you're like, but wait a minute. It's all 
about people, right? Well, yeah, but hopefully if you've done step one correctly, they know what behaviors they need to be doing and they're doing them. And if they don't do them, because it really boils down to either they just didn't want to or they don't really understand. It's it's your job to, to, to provide that clarity. They understand it. Well, they just didn't want to do it. That's an e- That's a very easy conversation of giving them a choice of, hey, do you want to be on this team or not? Again, it's okay if they don't want to be on your team. It doesn't make them a bad person, but you can't let them stay there if they're not doing the things you need to do or they're not contributing to the culture. They got to go. I know it sounds got to go. I don't want to get to a point where you're firing everybody, but you have to build a team that is working together on the same thing. Again, building your credibility as a leader is dealing with those things immediately and all the time and consistently the same way to where people say, wow, this leader is serious about culture and commitment and what we're going to do. And they're going to follow right behind you. Now, number three, and this is really super important because a lot of us actually do a large chunk of one and two lately. Not all of it, not a lot of it, but number three, does each team member know that what they individually do matters? In other words, if you, if you can't describe the impact of each person, why are they there? If you can't say, if this person doesn't come to work and perform these things and do what they do. Here's what here, here's how it's going to hurt. Can you can you describe that? If you don't know their contribution, how can they? And if you don't talk about it, how can they how can they know that they're being seen that they contribute? Does each person on your team see their task list or the team purpose? Because a lot of our jobs, a lot of them, a lot of the the parts of the job are boring and not fun. And if you describe some of them to people, they might say, well, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. Yeah, but they're necessary for a bigger picture. Is it boring and unfulfilling or purposeful and engaging? When you think about things of what contributes to your company winning and they can't win without it, it, it sounds somebody in payroll, you know, pay your payroll taxes, promise you the federal government's gonna come visit you. Now, it may not sound very glorious working in payroll, but there's a lot of things going on there where people are compensated for what they do and the business is doing things the legal way. And if you don't have that, they don't see that higher purpose of, hey, we cannot function without you. Well, they're going to feel like they're doing something boring. They're going to feel like they're unfulfilled. Each team role matters. No one should be hiding. If they are or they don't, I mean, really matter. Like if you really listed everybody and every job out on a sheet of paper and it didn't matter didn't contribute to what you were doing, you shouldn't have that role. You shouldn't be paying it. But if you are, they can't be hiding. They have to understand why they're important, the bigger picture of what it contributes to and make make, make them understand. I mean, think of if you work in a corporate office and you, you have nightly sanitation going on, if that just wasn't there and everybody, you know, you had this like really cool idea of we're going to save money. And so everybody who comes in before they do anything, cleans up everything real quick. How productive do you think they would be if they were doing things like that. Every role has to matter, but you can't just say, hey, you matter. You have to say, here's why you matter. Here's the contribution you're making. And if this wasn't here, we wouldn't be successful. And 
what you got to do with that. That's this right here is probably the hardest part to do of keeping everybody motivated and understand what's going on. So let's talk about the mental gas tank for just a second. So if you you know if you're taking a long road trip, you have to fill up the car as you go. You go a couple hours. Uh, well, if you're like me, well, I used to. I don't do this anymore, but I would go until the tank ran out. That's our next stop. That's about six hours. Uh, the rest of the people in the car are not so happy with that. But what do you do? You go fill up the tank, you get out, you walk around, you stretch, get something to eat. You kind of refocus because you've been sitting in the car and you're kind of you know, losing your, your mental capacity, all that kind of stuff. Well, that's what happens at work all the time. We're doing the same thing over and over and over and over. We're solving a lot of problems. Things we didn't know were problems are just popping up and all of that. And as that's going on, there's this drain. And if you as a leader don't fill that mental gas tank back up with some data of accomplishment, of things they're doing, of things they're, they're getting done, so they don't have to go look for that information. And then you can add to that how they are contributing to that. Their gas tank's going to fill back up. Yeah, it, even to the point where a lot of them just, I mean, I can't wait to get in there tomorrow and get this thing done and do this and do this next thing. And then we're going to move on because that's ultimately the feeling you're trying to create because what you you allow is what's in charge, not your job title, not your even even just your direction of you better do this and you better. That's not in charge either. It's, it, it's a start, but what you allow to go on after that, things you don't correct, things you don't provide, things you, you, if you don't do steps one, two, and three, that's what's in charge, like it or not. So let's recap here for a second, leaders. If you want continuous, sustainable growth and create a better work culture and build your brand as a leader, execute on these three strategies, these three daily behavior and decision drivers. Number one, do they know what winning looks like. Number two, do they know without much effort if you actually are winning at all? And number three, does each team member know what they do individually matters? And as with everything else I've ever talked to you about, it's 100% up to you. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.